you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. in this room this morning. Amen. It's an honor to be able to open the word of the Lord with you today. I'm glad you're here. I hope you came today to receive the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11 and 12. Romans 13 verse 11 and 12. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Mm. Let that set in just for a moment. It's time to wake out of sleep. For now, everybody say now. Is our salvation nearer than when we believed? The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Didn't say sit down and wait until he comes. So there's work to be done. You got to wake up. That's the works of darkness. You got to get all the flesh and all the things connected to the flesh. We need to get aside. Works of darkness, works of the flesh. We got to get those aside. And let us put on the armor of light. We need to be light in these hours, light in this season. With the help of the Lord, I'm just going to speak to you with a simple little subject this morning, but with a powerful word I feel the Lord would have me speak in this season, knowing the time, knowing the time. Lord, help me deliver what you have put in my spirit for this hour. Let the saints of the living God Wake out of sleep. Let slumber pass. Let the works of darkness be put off. Let the works of the flesh, Lord, be put off. Help us, O God, to be light in this dark world. Let us know the time. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There is an idea in this text that the Apostle Paul is talking about the end time. He equates it with darkness. He equates it with sleep. He equates it with evil. And he speaks to the saved church. And he said, now it is time for the church. Although what culture and society, the world, what it seems like we should be doing in this season. It's nighttime, we should be sleeping. It's darkness, we should be locked inside the doors of our home. It is evil times, we should be afraid. But the apostle is calling us to counter the culture. The apostle is telling us to wake out of sleep even though it's a time of slumber. The apostle is telling us to put off the works of darkness although there's darkness all around. He's saying put on the armor of light. So there is a call for us as a church to recognize that we as the people of God are to work while others slumber. We are to be light while it is popular to celebrate darkness. We are to be awake and on our toes and seeing the best times while the rest of the world is missing it and falling in slumber. The church needs to recognize the day and the hour in which we live. There has never been a time in my 53 years that I've seen the church and the world in the condition that it is in today. Politically, socially, spiritually, and even economically. The Bible gives us some insight to determine where we are in God's great timetable. Matthew 24 tells us that we can mark the end time by recognizing that the love of many, Matthew 24, 12 says, the love of many will wax cold. I'm here today to preach to the church. The love of many will wax cold. Here's a sign that we see in the church today where we have lost or left our first love. Hearts have grown cold. People have become indifferent. It seems that While some are incredibly on fire, others are strangely cold and indifferent. The desires of the flesh have ruled over our hearts, our minds, our homes, our families. And there is an attitude that has crept into even the church. Our hearts have grown cold. We have lost the fire and the passion that once were our markers 
The apostolic church was born celebrating the fire of the Holy Ghost. They didn't just celebrate good music and fast songs, but they celebrated a passion and a fire that burned. People came to church expecting that God was going to do something powerful. Many of our old songs were written using words of the fire and the passion and the heart of God. But 2 Thessalonians tells us that there would be a day that would come and it's going to affect the church. Matthew says the love of many will wax cold. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 says there will be a great falling away. Trying to put the balance in all of that to see that there's going to be a great end time harvest of souls. Yet I see many in the church today that have a form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. For some, Sundays have become nothing more than a ritual, a place to go, not a heartfelt church like we grew up in. We come and stand in formality, but we no longer sing the songs. We watch while others worship. We come forward at the altar call, but we stand around and look to see if anybody's moving because it's not going to be me. Our love is wax cold. Falling away from the care and concern about the things of God. Letting our desires become greater than the desires of God. Letting our wants, our wishes, the way we see it, become more important than what thus saith the Word of God. Falling away from a care and concern for lost souls. Advancing the kingdom. I'm not preaching to everybody today, but I just got to reach to everybody. Because there's some of us that have become so cold and indifferent that we can set through a powerful service, powerful worship, powerful prayer, powerful preaching, and be unmoved, untouched, unstirred. We have become so satisfied and so content with nice buildings and comfortable chairs that we miss the point that our families may be lost, slipping away, losing the passion. It's visible on the expression of our faces, our response to the preached word, our response to the presence of God. It all tells us, it all speaks. The Bible says another marker is that people will be deceived. It says it like this, false prophets are going to rise and they're going to deceive many. Another marker of the end time, the last days, people are going to come and declare, thus saith the word of God, when God has not spoken. It didn't say that there's going to be all false prophets because they're still going to be right. They're still going to be Prophecies that are going to be correct. 
there's still going to be preachers, but we have become skeptical of those that are preaching truth and those who are speaking truth and those who are operating the gifts of the Spirit properly and rightly and biblically, and yet we have become so strange, so skeptical of the real while the false has begun to dominate. We sit through the operation of the gifts of the Spirit as if it is humdrum, normal, every day. The Bible says that many will be deceived. One deception that we see preached in the world today and preached in pulpits all over the world today is that God is a God of love only He's not a God that will hold you responsible to His Word. You can live any way you want. It doesn't really matter what is preached, what is said. There is no such thing as sin. There is nothing that God is calling us out of. But the truth is, is the Bible says that we are to take up our cross. There is a price to be paid. It is not all just blessings and richness. There is a price to be paid. There is a cross to bear. There is a responsibility of the church. There is a punishment for sin. There is something called heaven and a place called hell. It is real. It is something we must be aware of. And then... Paul says in 2 Timothy, people are not even going to, they're not going to tolerate strong preaching. He's talking about when a pastor comes and stands in the pulpit like I have this morning and began very strongly preaching the word of God and declaring it. He said, people are not going to endure it. Why must we endure doctrine? Why must we endure? The Bible said we've got to endure it. For times will come when they will, 2 Timothy 4, 3, for times will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Because sound doctrine has to be endured. Mm, we don't want that kind of preaching, do we? I would be receiving many more amens if I was talking about the power of, his, of, 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 of God to perform miracles and signs and wonders. But do we want to hear about enduring sound doctrine? Because the time is going to come when the world is becoming darker and darker. But the word of God declares, wake out of sleep. Let your light begin to shine. Because in these dark days, there's going to have to be some people that have endurance in them that will be able to stand in this evil day and declare, I'm going to endure it. I'm going to stand through it. Whatever comes my way, I must endure Bible also says that the gospel is going to be preached in all the world. And we're seeing this happen as the walls have come down and the gospel has been preached. The internet has allowed for the gospel to be preached all 
around the world. These are clear signs that it is the end time that the coming of the Lord is so very, so very soon. It is time. Now, listen church, I rise to this pulpit this morning to tell you this is the day of salvation. This is the day that we must be light in a dark world when nobody else wants to do anything, when nobody else cares, when the rest of the world sits idly by. We must do what is right every time. We must rise to the occasion and declare the world needs God. This week, it's been a different kind of week. This week on Thursday, we were working on Friday, Friday, Thursday. Thursday, we were working. Brother Gonzalez and Hiram so graciously came up from Texas. He's a very skilled carpenter. If you need any carpentry work, let him know. We're trying to get him employed and move. I am only kidding. Not really. They were here working this week, helping Dylan and Kayla on their house. About 10.30, they said, we're going to go have lunch at 11.30. I had some errands I needed to run. So at 10.30, I left. I said, I'll be back by 11.30. I left. I just drove less than a mile here to the church. And I pulled in. I had some phone calls I needed to make regarding the project we were doing. And so as I left, I was on the phone. And I was trying to make quick phone calls. And I got here. Pastor Danny pulled in. We communicated for just a few minutes here in the parking lot. Sister Cheryl had come into the building. And while I was there, I received a call to come back over to the house because I had another contractor that was there and needing to meet. And so I finished the conversation with Brother Danny. I left to pull out on the drive at 11.45, at 10.45. And I approached State Road 28 right here at the entry of the church. And I was getting ready to turn left. And as I began to pull out on State Road 28, I looked down at the intersection here where the stoplight is in front of the medical facility that's next door to us. And I saw in the eastbound lane, standing in the middle of the street, I saw what appeared to be a young child, maybe 10 years old, 11, 12 at the most. And he was standing in the middle of traffic, and he was standing very upright, very staunch. And I noticed his shoulders were back, and he appeared he had his hands up. And his back was to me, and of course, I looked, and immediately I'm like, has there been an accident, and somebody is directing traffic, or exactly what is taking place here? And so I turned left, and as I pulled out on the State Road 28, I began looking, and I see the traffic has stopped all around, and I see this child, as this child is facing with a semi sitting at the stoplight, and I see him motioning for the semi to come forward. I immediately knew that one of two things had happened. 
and that either this child had perhaps some mental issues or perhaps was deranged in some manner. And so I quickly accelerated to the intersection, moved into the turn lane as if I was going to turn into the medical facility. And I was the first car to pull up to the stoplight and I put my truck in park. I had my window down by the time I got there. And as I approached, even over the roar of the diesel engines, I could hear the child as he was yelling for the cars, come on and do it now. I opened my door, jumped out, immediately knew what we had. Cars were sitting around. No one was moving except one car coming from Walmart that decided that they wanted to bust through the middle of the intersection because they were too busy to be held up. As I stepped to the front of my truck, I am not exactly sure. I told my wife I may have been in rare form, for I pointed at that car and commanded him to stop. And the car screeched to a stop with big eyes looking at me like, who is this crazy man? And I walked toward this child as he stood in the middle of the street and he was cursing as loudly as he could. Come do it, come do it now. Run over me now. I walked to about 10 feet behind the child and I said, hey bud, in a very soft voice, I said, hey bud. And it startled him and he spins around and he, he looked back at me and then he began to curse at me and tell me to get away from me. And I just continued to slowly walk toward him and I said, hey bud, hey bud. And as he began to curse at me, he began to do exactly what I was wanting and that was he began to walk out of the road. As he walked away from me, I managed to push him toward the sidewalk just with my presence and he walked over further and further no one was getting out of vehicles. No one had stepped out to help. No one. I looked over into the grassy area in the front lawn of the parking lot, and there was an elderly gentleman, maybe in his mid-70s, and he was, seemed to be on his cell phone, and he didn't really act overly concerned. He was just watching and talking on his phone as this kid stands in the middle of the street and now the kid is cursing at me and then he curses at the vehicles for why they didn't run over him before anybody got here. And then he would curse back at me and continue to tell me to get away and I continued just to say, hey bud, I'm just here to help you. And I walked toward him and he was walking much faster than me. He got to the sidewalk, unsure of exactly what he was going to do. I was very concerned that he was going to try to make a run into the traffic. The elderly gentleman began to walk toward him and then the child turned and I recognized that yes, they were together. He began to curse at the elderly gentleman and the elderly gentleman was saying something I could not hear, my hearing is not great. The roar of engines were there and as we got off the road, the cars just went on by as if nothing was going on. I continued to walk toward the elderly man and toward the child. The child eventually went off the sidewalk and over into the grass and I began to be relieved as I saw him walking more 
toward the parking lot. To which as I got within about 30 feet of the elderly gentleman, I looked at him and said, Sir, do you need my help? To which the man who did not know me, the man who obviously was with this child, the man whom I had put everything on the line to try to step in and help, looked at me and he said, mind your own business. I stopped. I turned around. I walked back to my vehicle as I saw the child run toward the vehicle in the parking lot, at least out of traffic. I felt that I had done all that I could do at that very moment. I got back in my truck. I became overwhelmed with emotion as I drove back to the job, to, to the house to, to help to do what I could there. I became overwhelmed with emotion because I realized that in the middle of a very dangerous situation, in the, diddle, in the middle of a situation where obviously a child was not only in danger, but was mentally, emotionally in a state that was very, very sad. It was obvious, it was evident, but not one person rolled down a window, opened a door, got out, or offered help. The only person that offered help was rejected because a child, all he knew to do was reject. To fear, to reject. To disrespect the help that was trying to rescue him from his situation. The elderly gentleman, for whatever reason, he chose he chose to reject the only voice that said to him, Sir, do you need my help? No, mind your own business. As I got in the vehicle, became overwhelmed with emotion as I began to drive away and recognize that what I had just experienced in the intersection, just only a few feet off the corner of our church property, is a clear sign of what is happening in our world today. There are people who are living in darkness, gross darkness everywhere. And there is, there is a remnant of individuals who knows what the world needs. We have what the world needs. We are able to help if we are willing to help. Not everybody, not everybody is going to say yes to your help. Not everybody. Some are going to reject you. Some are going to curse at you. Some are going to tell you no. Some are going to tell you to mind your own business. Dylan got in the vehicle with me. I was weeping as we drove to the restaurant and I shared with him my experience 
I came back, shared with Sister Cheryl what had happened, shared with my wife later in the day what had happened. And then that evening, I didn't allow the rejection, I didn't allow the cursing, I didn't allow the mind your own business to stop me or prevent me from getting back in my vehicle and driving back to a, to a house with some people that needed hope and saying, hey, could I help you? Omar introduced me to the director there and I looked at her and said to her, how can I help you? Why, Pastor? Why do we keep helping? Why do we keep going forward? Why do we keep, if somebody rejects, shouldn't we go suck our thumb? Shouldn't we go home and pout? Shouldn't we go home and cry because our feelings are hurt? No, that's what the world wants to do. The world is a dark place right now. The church has got to wake up in the middle of this midnight hour. The church has got to rise up in the middle of this midnight hour. There, That one child is representing Representing hundreds or maybe thousands of children that are in the reach, within the reach of this church that needs God. That elderly gentleman, I'm not offended at him. I hope he watches online and hears this pastor. Give me another opportunity, sir. I love you. I will reach for you. I will help you if I can. I rise to this pulpit every Sunday and I say, let God help you. Let the church help you. We want to help you. And people reject and walk out the door still cold and still indifferent. But I come this morning to the church and tell you, pay attention to the time. Look what time it is. It's time to wake up out of sleep. It's time to wake up in the middle of the darkness of this hour. Your children are going to be lost. Your family's going to be lost if you don't wake up in this hour. The times now, it's not futuristic. Pastor, you have no idea what we're going through. You, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. I have an idea. I have an idea. I'm involved in most of your lives enough that I have an idea of where you are. I have an idea of what you're feeling. We need to turn the attention off of ourselves enough to recognize that we may be part of the darkness. Because we're acting like we're okay with it being nighttime. Because we're asleep in Zion. We're asleep. We are slumbering through the middle of this, of this hour. I don't know what's going to happen. I heard someone even yet this morning, a friend of mine said, prepare, prepare in the next few months for what's going to happen. I didn't come today to preach a message of gloom and despair. I came this morning to preach a message of hope and to tell you that God is still alive and still on the throne. This truth is still marching on. The church is still a beacon of light, but you've got to 
to wake up in the middle of your slumber. You've got to wake up in this midnight hour when it's popular to sleep through the midnight hour. There's somebody that's got to get up and say, I'm willing to work the night shift. I'm willing to work while it is darkness outside. I'm willing to work. I'm willing to reach. I'm willing to be light. Somebody's got to say, it's my time. It's high time to wake out of slumber. It's time for the church to rise to the occasion. When the followers of Jesus came to Thessalonica, it was said of them, these are they which turned their worlds upside down. My God have mercy. I feel the Holy Ghost so powerful this morning. I feel like God is reaching to some today that have the potential. You can turn your workplace upside down. You could turn your family inside out. You could turn your, your oikos of friends. You could turn that world upside down. If you would wake out of slumber this morning, you could be accounted among them that these are they which have turned their world upside down. I'm telling you about this church. We're not going to slumber. We're not going to sleep. It's going to be set up us. They're going after it in the midnight hour. Revival is upon us. Harvest is upon us. We must work. God help us recognize the time. Help us recognize the hour in the day in which we live. God begins with changing men before he ever changes a nation. That's why I'm preaching to men this morning. Moses had to turn aside in the wilderness to meet God before God sent him to change his world. Before the world of the Mediterranean region could be changed, Saul of Tarshish had to be changed. The whole Mediterranean world was turned right side up after Saul met God. God first changed his name before he ever changed a nation. I come this morning to tell you that Moses, when he met God, had to take off his shoes because the encounter was so powerful. He had to do something physical so that God could see that he had under Understood that his power was there. It may be that God is waiting for some of us to show that we're awake, for some of us to change our demeanor, to change our expression. Somebody ought to walk in this church and say, this is the day the Lord's made. I may not have been a worshiper in the past, but I'm going to be a worshiper today. I may be, have not been praying in the past, but I'm going to be a prayer warrior today. I may not be part of a Bible study, but I'm going to get involved today. I maybe haven't been been, been involved in an evangelism team but I want to get on board maybe I haven't been giving sacrificially but today I'm going to start I, this thing's bigger than me it is night time we've got to reach our world we've got to reach our family our world and our times need men like Moses and Paul to have an encounter with God and go and change their world. I wish God could interrupt some of our lives. I wish God would interrupt some of our lives. We have it so easy. We do our 40. We have our hobby time. We have full bank accounts and full bellies. And everything seems to go well. 
But the Bible speaks about the end time when things may not be so. When men may have to have a mark to be able to buy or sell. When it's going to come down to the point where people are going to have to really decide where they live. God needs to help us this morning. Oh, we talk a big talk. We talk about what we would do. We talk about the mark of the beast and how we would do in the end time. But yet we won't even get up and come to church. I'm preaching to those that are just watching online. We won't even get up out of bed to come to church and show up. Don't tell me what you're going to do when it gets rough. If you can't get out of bed when things are going well. Don't tell me what you're, how you're going to cross the Jordan at swelling time if you won't walk across when God has opened a door. God is calling the church this morning. He's telling us, wake out of slumber. Wake out of sleep. This is a wake-up call. Pay attention to the time. Revival is imminent. We've got to reach our world. We've got to work while it is day. I'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God needs to help us. God didn't give us the Holy Ghost just to simply make us feel good, take us to heaven where we're going to walk on streets of gold and enjoy everything. We, we've got this image that everything's going to be great and that there's never going to be an enduring, there's never going to be a trial, there's no, never going to be a test. But the Bible said, no, you've got to do what goes against the flesh. You've got to wake up when it's time to sleep. You've got to work while it's dark. You've got to get up and do it now because the time's going to come when you're not going to be able to. God didn't give us the Holy Ghost just to give us goosebumps, make us feel good, and give us the, the, the right lingo and the hand clap and good music and a group of friends. But God has called us to, to win our city, to win our world, to reach our families. We can try to get it all together. We can get good programs, good ministries, have wonderful talent, have finances running over. We can bring good preachers in to preach and have wonderful singing and music. But I'm telling you, talent will not do it. We need an anointing in these last days that causes us to be able to get up from where we are. We need a boldness in these last days that will cause us to go to where they are. If it's to the middle of the street, literally to the middle of the street, or whether we're to go down the back alley somewhere and knock on a door and tell somebody, or whether we're to go to a recovery home and tell somebody I've got some hope for you I've got some help for you some are going to reject us but there's going to be those that are going to receive it I close quickly John chapter 20 Jesus said as my father hath sent me even so send I you ladies and gentlemen we have been appointed to this generation. We have been appointed to this season of the world. He didn't choose those that were going to turn tail and run when the going gets rough. But I come this morning to tell you that the Lord knew. He knew what he was doing when he saved you for this season. People say, well, I wish I could have served God during Bible times. No, probably not. The disciples, the apostles, they endured things that you and I don't know anything about. They were crucified upside down, boiled in oil, beheaded. God's appointed you for this generation. 
He saved you for this hour because this is our finest hour. I don't want anybody to walk out the doors this morning and say, man, pastor came in preaching gloom and doom and despair. No, I came in this morning to tell you that this is the hour that the church has got to shine. This is the hour that you and I have got to, we got to put that light and we got to let it shine. We got to get it. Come on, stop sleeping through it. Stop pulling the curtains and acting like it doesn't exist. I know it's not popular to call sin, sin. I know it's not popular to stand strong. But I come with a strong word this morning to tell you God knew what he was doing. He saved you for this hour because he knew that there were some folks that were going to be able to stand in this evil day, that are going to be able to walk into the streets in this evil day and not be offended by the cursing and not be offended by those that reject you but you're going to keep reaching and you're going to keep going because you know that the need is greater than our emotions and our hurt feelings stand with me all over the building as my father hath sent me even so send I you a generation of the gospel has been laid upon us I'm thankful for the generations that have gone on before, but I'm preaching to the generation that's in this room right now. I'm preaching to grandmas and grandpas, and I'm preaching to young adults alike. We're the generation of His coming. I'm thankful for all that the generations that have passed on have done. They've brought us to where we are, but God has set things up for you and I. It doesn't matter how old or feeble you may feel today, God's appointed you for this generation. If I could persuade you today that it's you that I'm talking to and you would engage in what God is wanting to really do in your life and through you and you understood that the world, the lost world, the dark world is counting on you. Did you get that? The lost world is counting on you. Oh, anybody could do this. No, they're counting on you. I stood in the parking lot Friday evening, smiling, talking, speaking to people. I looked over, saw Dan flipping burgers. Saw a young man on a bicycle come by. I saw four or five people at one time as this young man come riding by on a bicycle. And he stopped at the end of the drive and looked across, a little skeptical of the tents and see what's going on. He kind of looked. Several people whistled, motioned, come on. No. They jumped up from where they were. I saw some of our young preachers, Dylan, Brother Evan, Brother Justin, started heading over to that bicycle. I saw Hector. He was over by the grill. I don't know how many hamburgers he had already eaten. He starts walking over. I'm just standing there. I'm like, I'm just going to watch this unfold. 
I saw these boys that grew up with a Bible in their hand on the church pew go over and try to talk to this guy. I watched Hector walk over. I wasn't sure what he was saying. I did ask. Dylan shared with me a little bit. He said, hey, man, I know you. I know where you've been. I know what you do. That man wasn't worried about Dylan and Evan or Justin. Good men, preachers of the gospel. Those boys came back and they were like, wow. Pastor, you should have seen They said, he just took that conversation, starts ministering to that guy, starts talking to him, telling him, hey, I know where you are. I've been there. I know about that addiction. I know where you are. You need God in your life, man. I don't know how he said it. I don't know why he, how he said it. I don't know exactly the words he said. But three young preachers came back and said, he just did what we could have never me pastor you don't know me you don't know where I'm at pastor you don't know what my gifts are there's somebody that works with you there's somebody in that text group somebody connected with you on Facebook somebody that stops by your house somebody that lives near you you're their Hector Because they identified you. They get you. They don't get this young preacher in a suit and a fancy haircut. They get a guy that said, man, I've been there. You ain't done nothing I hadn't done. You had not been anywhere I haven't been. If I could persuade some of you that it's you I'm preaching to. It's, there's never going to be a better time. There's never going to be a better day than right now for you. The opportunity that God is going to give you today. When you stop in at the convenience store, and you go through the checkout line, go to work tomorrow the people that God are putting, is putting around you some of them are going to curse at you and some of them are going to tell you to mind your own business I remember I'm sorry for picking on you so much today guys I remember the first Sunday in January this year. COVID. Guy walks in, sits down, well, somewhere right about here. 
I'll sit right over there. He had just made a phone call a few days before to Omar. Life's not worth living. I'm ready to end it all. Omar says to him, give me one chance. One. Give me one chance. Go to church with me one time and see what God will do. Stop thinking about ending it all. Stop thinking about suicide. Stop. Come to church with me one time. Some of us got up on that Sunday morning grumbled about the weather fussed because our hair didn't get fixed as easy as we thought it was going to be aggravated because we were tired from the night before there was one man on that first Sunday of this year that walked in we had one shot we had one shot See, I'm preaching to you right now, church, because you don't know when that Sunday that somebody walks in and that's our one shot to show them Jesus. That's our one shot to have a move with the Holy Ghost. That's the one shot. And God reached down and began to do a work in his life. And about three or four weeks later, we baptized Hector in Jesus' name. You remember that Sunday morning. Eight months later, I'm standing out in the parking lot watching him hold on to the front of a bicycle and say, come on, man, you need to go to church with me. You need to give God a shot. Thanks for being my illustration this morning. Pastors all over the country would like to have a story like that. But I'm not preaching to Hector this morning. I'm preaching to you because God is wanting you to see it's time. I got to make some changes. I got to work now. I got to step into action now. It's you. It's you. God's calling right now all over this building. I preach too long, but step from where you are. If it's you this morning, you need to come respond in prayer. Don't come looking around this morning. If you come with the intent of just coming, standing around, just, just stay where you are. But if you come to pray this morning, come. God is calling us this morning. He's calling us. He's calling us to change. He's calling us into the work of God. He's calling us to do something in these last hours, to wake out of sleep in this last day. He's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us. Wake out of slumber. He's calling us. Oh, come on, turn this house into a prayer room. If you're sitting in your pew, that's perfectly fine. Turn this house into a prayer room. If you're kneeling or standing or wherever you are, we need to seek the Lord today. There's a work for you to do. There's a work for you to do. Oh God, oh God.
show you, ask God to show you, show you, God show me where that opportunity is, let me recognize it, God where is it that you're wanting to use me, where is it that I can be effective, to you I belong, I give myself Satan's concerned when we're running aisles and we're dancing and shouting, but I'm going to tell you what's making Satan concerned right now. It's because Zion is beginning to travail. And the Bible said when Zion travails, she's going to bring forth. She's going to bring forth this right here, this prayer right here. This is what hell is trembling over. This is what Satan is concerned over because your family's going to be saved, because God is going to work through you. Come on, seek him today. So 